Do you have an idea for a product or book? Or are you ready to go beyond in-service presentations? Well, how do you get started? And what if you don't have any business experience at all? Well, I have some great news for you. I'm Mailing Chan, and I'm getting the nitty-gritty stories from parents, teachers, therapists, advocates, and people with disabilities who have created successful businesses, and they're sharing their intimate stories with you. Listen to us on the Exceptional Leaders Podcast and fast-track creating and building and sharing your idea with the world so that you can help more people. Please listen carefully. What is communication? The act of taking a thought from my head and putting it into your essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. Usually what I have in my head to the outside world draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. I think it's the ability to share your innermost feelings and thoughts with others. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, Episode 65, proud member of the Exceptional Podcast Network. It is me, Matt Hot, joined by you, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? And you, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. I have no idea why I did it that way, but I figured, why don't we switch it up? We've only done it 65 times this way. I'll throw it down a different way. I liked it. By saying me and then you, you know, whatever. You have a lot of, Sounds good. You have a lot of I charisma. Like I like it. I'm trying to bring the charisma. And also we bring you the Pearson. Pearson has a really cool thing on our website. Go to our website, podcast.speechscience.org and sign up. You'll get some free SLP tools. I just had to give them the quick plug a lug. Michael McLeod, how's your week going? It's been good. A uh, couple of uh, some bad weather out here in Philly. Uh, today was insane with uh, basically freezing rain the whole day. So tons of cancellations, tons of closings, uh, pretty much worked a 12 hour day, but saw four kids, That's pretty much how it goes. Um, yesterday also was a snow day. So this is the, the life of an SLP when the weather's bad. Did you get to see the new trailer with your Philadelphia boy, man, Will Smith in the Aladdin movie? Do you like it? I didn't think it was as bad as the internet Thank says. You. It really wasn't that bad. Like, like, I don't know what everyone expected. I need to look this up. I haven't seen it yet. <gasps> you haven't seen the teaser trailer for the trailer to go see the other trailer to eventually see Aladdin? I haven't. <laughs> Will Smith is the genie. That That's going to be fun. All right. But, Michael, I think you're right. I think everyone was expecting the cartoon version of the genie. So when it was Will Smith, I think they, they were confused. People love to go online and just bash things for the sake of bashing things. But so, if you like going online to rate things just to rate things, make sure you go and rate us five stars. Just saying. Oh, good one. Did you like that transition? I did. That was that was smooth. I went to school to learn how to do that transition. I just need to say that out loud, that that's how I learned to do that. That was not speech pathology school. No, that was oh, not no. speech pathology <laughs> school. That was radio school that taught me the importance of how to do a transition. Whatever transitioning we have a patreon if you want to surprise subscribe to that too <laughs> give us a dollar a month why not michelle wintering how was your week 
I'm doing pretty well. We had uh, my mom in town to visit over the weekend, which was awesome, and got to catch up with her. I hadn't seen her since Thanksgiving. So she got to um, hang out with the grandson. James is doing well. He's growing like a weed now and getting close to crawling. So we're going to have to do some baby proofing pretty soon. I can lend you two small children for baby proofing. I mean, I have two small children coming this week to visit my nieces. So I feel like that's going to be a good bar as to what needs to be child proofed. Oh, I miss the days of childproofing because my two-year-old now can uh, unlock baby gates, which is terrifying for any parent that cares about the well-being of their child. And a lot of OTs would be very proud of him. Yeah, I don't care what the OTs say. I don't (laughs) want my kid falling down a flight of stairs. I did give my kid a black eye this week. What? (laughs) So we are continuing our drive to make my son smarter than me so we went and bought more pokemon because he's teaching me how to play this stupid card game and (laughs) i can't figure it out i don't have the right degree to figure out who's got what level of ability over the other ones but anyway i'm walking to the counter to go pay for these things and andrew the youngest walks in front of me and i like clipped him with my feet we like clip feet and if he would have just fallen forward he would have been fine but his like momentum just like carried him into the side of a metal table. And he's got the best looking movie version of a black eye I have ever seen. How many trips to urgent care have you had recently? We haven't made any trips to urgent care lately, but when they were little, it felt like every month we made a trip to urgent care. And so far, I've managed to accidentally kick one of my sons down the stairs, and now I've tripped one of them into the metal staircase, or like metal table. Oh, you poor kid. It is terrifying being a parent because, like, these guys don't have fear, so they just run around into things, and a normal adult wouldn't step in front of you. Yeah, I felt terrible. I had to send a picture to my wife and be like, look, he's okay. Do I need to take him to the ER? There's probably a lot of parents listening and therapists who are parents or therapists working with kids who can relate to that in uh, in school settings and therapy settings of being nervous about our kids keeping them safe without intentionally having something happen. Oh, my gosh. Unintentionally having something happen. I couldn't even tell you, like, the fear of just trying to get my kid to be alive long enough. And then I like go and knock into him. And now he's got a big shiner on his eye. And he's probably doing just fine. Oh yeah. He walks around and he's like, black eye, black eye. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. He still has a black eye now. Oh yeah. This happened Sunday. Wow. Yeah. He's going to have that black eye for like a week before it goes yellow and grossness. You know, I am a mandated reporter. I'm a mandated reporter. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) I didn't purposely trip my kid into the Pokemon table. I'm just kidding. I know. I do have some awesome news to share, though. Please do. What's that? Uh, I just found out that I am the 2019 Osla Fellow of the Association, receiving the Fellowship Award. Fellow Award. Whoa! We should have a cake. This is awesome. I'll take cake. I'll take cake. So what exactly does that mean? Uh, So it recognizes individuals who have provided outstanding professional service and or scientific achievement. 
Nice. So what are they specifically for you recommending? I have no idea. I have no idea. For the podcast. I, I Yeah, maybe, that's what I'm thinking. I, I was going to email Maggie Kettler. So thanks for, for nominating me. She nominated me. And so I get my picture taken with her. And then I figure out, I think at Osla, I'll figure out what all the, the they think I've done to, to deserve this. That's great. They said Congrats, nomination Pat. requirements are either innovative teaching re- te- techniques Innovative clinical techniques, innovative supervisor techniques, outstanding contributor to literature or research, service to OSLA, or outstanding administrative abilities. Ooh, I kind of want to know what you're what you're under, what category. So I'm, that's for I'm your so improv wor- classes. <laughs> Me doing my improv with social skills kids and your bowling. I'm, so, I'm worried that they'll mm-hmm. be like, we didn't mean Matt Hot. We meant. Oh, man. Martha Watt. <laughs> if there is a Martha Watt, please email us. I'd like to meet you. Matt, you should pat <laughs> yourself on the back. That's awesome. Thanks. Oh, all right. So I think I, that's the energy I've got. I don't even need caffeine. On today's show, we're going to talk about something positive the police have done with a man with autism. Also around on the other side of the break. Oh, I lost it. How are public education strikes affecting kids with special education we're going to talk about the singer from fleetwood mac but i figured we'd start with this coming out of the asha wire why is asha fighting for our loan forgiveness and first i want to ask the question michael or michelle have you guys ever had any loan forgiveness nope no No. loan forgiveness zero really Mm mm-hmm well i got the yeah, I did the $17,000 one, the five years at a Title One school or something like that. Oh, and you got and some forgiveness. your Omni program involved that too, right? So the Omni program was different. The Omni program was not any loan forgiveness. Um, sorry. The Omni program was, I got That's free... specific to Ohio. Yeah, that was way. just specific yeah, to Ohio to get school-based SLPs. I had to volunteer to work in a school district for four years, and then they gave a $12,000 stipend. Different gotcha. schools offered free tuition for the Omni program people for the first year. Gotcha. Okay. So OU offered that, the first year free tuition, and the $12,000 stipend, and I still managed to walk out of OU at $97,000 in student debt. So, so much for free. <laughs> so it says that only 12% of all SLPs have benefited from loan forgiveness. I'm in the 12%. There you go. I have a couple friends in counseling and social work who are, are doing loan forgiveness right now um, based on the settings they're working in, but not so many SLPs. Well, there are two types of student loan forgiveness. There is the, and I'm trying to pull it up as I looked this up. I should have done this first. There was the one I did, which was the public service loan forgiveness, which was the five years uh, in a title one school and you get $17,000. Then there is the other public student service loan forgiveness, where if you work and make 10 years of payments and 10 years in a public service, you'll get uh, your whole loan forgiven. Hmm. And I'm sorry, the first one was not uh, federal loan or uh, was not 
whatever I said, public loan, it was the teacher loan forgiveness was what I did. So what did you have to do to apply for this? Uh, so I went over to my, my website, like my student loan holder, the federal one, and they had like a loan forgiveness button. And I went and did the teacher loan forgiveness program and I qualified as special education. And then I had to have the superintendent sign off that I was actually an employee at the school for those uh, four years at one school and then another year at, an, at the other school. Um, and then I had to send it in and waited and prayed and hoped that they accepted it. And how long did it take to find out? Mm, five or six months. Okay. Um, and the eligibility requirements are you have to have a balance of direct loans, must be employed as a full-time highly qualified teacher for five complete and consecutive academic years, employed at an elementary, secondary, or educational service agency that serves low income, and they must have been made before the end of your five academic year. Not bad. Yeah, and, it, and they say... A teacher is a person who provides direct classroom teaching or classroom type teaching in a non-classroom setting. Special education teachers are considered teachers. And that means special service providers too, like SLPs. I got it. Awesome. I am not looking that gift horse in the mouth at all. <laughs> As you should not, or any of the yeah, 12% who got it. Right. But the public student loan forgiveness, I've heard so many horror stories about people going through this public student loan forgiveness that they're just now reaching the end of their 10, 10 years and they may not have done any of the paperwork right. Oh, that's terrible. Or they're, or they're being denied. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I know. I know there's a lot of um, a lot of talk about that right now. So for the public loan forgiveness? I believe so. The public loan forgiveness where they've been making payments on their loans consistently, you know, every month, a certain amount that you have to consistent payments and then find out that um, they're not approved for that loan forgiveness by the end of the five years or 10 years. And if they find out they're not doing their paperwork correctly, then what do they do? That I don't know. I didn't know it was a paperwork issue. I thought it was um, kind of step. Uh, some of the loan forgiveness was being like backtracked on, like backstroking. I hate yeah, I, I, both, I hate that. Both paperwork and the loans not being the right loans. Yeah. That's a, so it's unfortunate. You got to so, really, I'm happy. Really check, cross, tot your I's and cross your T's to make sure all that's okay. I mean, it's good. Asha's putting some of that pack money to use. Go Asha. Are you part of the 12%? Head over to our website, podcast.speechscience.org. And from there, you can email us speechscience2018 at gmail.com or give us a phone call 614-681-1798. And I do have exciting news that maybe by the end of the month, our whole website redesign may be in full force. So that's kind of exciting to hint at. That is yeah, very, Matt, that's very I know exciting. you've been working on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped about that. So hopefully that comes up. Do you guys know who Fleetwood Mac is? Mm-hmm. Of course. What's your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Oh, you guys can't Ooh. do that to me. I'm not good at picking songs and music titles. <laughs> Say that again? I'm not good at remembering titles of How that. How are you not good at managing or remembering titles? 
Of songs? No, I just listen to the songs. Oh, okay. If I heard it, I would know it. This, exactly. This is my, one of mine. You can go your own way. So Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, the reason I bring that up, Lindsey Buckingham, the lead singer from, uh, the male lead singer from, or the Fleetwood Mac guitarist, I'm sorry, and backup singer, uh, recovering um, from emergency open heart surgery and had vocal cord damage. A lot of people probably don't realize uh, how that can even happen, first off. And then what's the therapy look like for that? Well, I think that's one thing that I know myself having been through surgeries before. And then when people go through a surgery, they often wonder why they wake up with a sore throat uh, because we forget you have to be intubated so you can breathe and they can take care of you when you're under anesthesia. And especially if it's an emergency procedure, there's a chance that it's not done gently or slowly or with a lot of caution because they have other priorities like keeping you alive. True. I mean, breathing is more important than than vocal cord paralysis or than than potential po uh, vocal cord paralysis. So he had a emergency open heart surgery. Mm hmm. Oh, wow. So so obviously he was obviously put under. And did it say that's exactly what caused the vocal cord issue? Uh, so I was trying to look at they said that. Uh, let's see. Buckingham was, this is when he was forced down a Fleetwood Mac last year with Stevie Nicks. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. No, it does not say. Does yeah, not say. I, I remember going through my voice book and studying and talking to my dad, who's a now retired, but firefighter paramedic. And he said, uh, he said, well, yeah, just thinking from intubating patients in the medics that that can also unfortunately cause damage. They're not meaning to by any means, but my dad said, I, he, I remember his words to me when I was talking to him about it. And he said, I'm sure that I've accidentally caused, caused damage because at that point we're trying to keep the person alive. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, while his heart are doing well, the surgery resulted in vocal cord damage. It is unclear if the damage is permanent. We are hopeful it is not. Um, I mean, what do we do for vocal? I, I don't do voice. I have very little range in voice. I work a little bit on vo uh, vocal cord paralysis following stroke. Um, but what can you do if it's physical damage versus neurological or muscular damage? Yeah, I was just going to say the exact same thing. I've, I've always been one of those SLPs that has no problem saying this is not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. And I would be more than happy to refer to a professional, to an ENT to whoever needs to look at this, because I, I quite honestly would not even know where to begin with something like this. And to the SLPs who really know this, who work closely with the ENTs and work in their rehab or in the hospital setting, I wish I had more to add as well. I just know that if it's physiological, as we know, if it's something that we can't change uh, because there's physiological damage, what are the com compensatory strategies we can use? What can we help them with? Um, for functional daily life. I mean, immediately, I think for someone like Buckingham, I would assume melodic intonation therapy would be a start. I, I want to find the SLP who's going to work with him. <laughs> the SLP and the ENT. I would well, for, not. 
for vocal cord paralysis, I know there's a number of things you can do. Uh, I remember, I remember like, uh, they were like Botox injections onto the vocal mm-hmm. cords. Uh, I guess it really depends on the severity of the injury and exactly is there paralysis or not. And that's not things we can administer, right? That's not no, no, no. Right? I would not do Botox. <laughs> that's not mine. Uh, I'm looking at a couple articles, and there's one from 1979 uh, that says right vocal cord paralysis after open heart operation. Um, and they say that the injury is to the intrathoracic portion of the recurrent laryngeal nerve. So this is where I was wondering about it, if it's from intubation or if it was more from the the nerve. If I remember my uh, nerves correctly, isn't there a nerve that runs down through into the heart chest cavity and back up? A cranial nerve? Through the chest cavity. Well, like to the, the uh, heart area where they do the surgery. That's a very good question. Google it. I am Googling it right now. <laughs> I remember having to like, oh yeah, nine and ten. Having flashbacks to midnight study sessions. I was going to say, I'm having a flashback right now to like trying to teach somebody about cranial nerves uh, into the into the training area outside of the computer lab at OU. But uh, yeah, okay. Glossiopharyngeal 9 and vagus 10 mediate the complex interplay between the functions of, of the upper areodigestive tract. Swallowing, breathing, and communicating all rely on delicate interactions. Blah, blah, blah. And going back into this, it's the recurrent laryngeal nerve often following operation on the neck, especially a thyroidectomy. Nope, that doesn't help. But it's any... Okay, so injury to those nerves in the thorax. So there you go. So what? what's the treatment? Mm, this was just why it happened. So okay. if it's laryngeal nerve damage... Maybe then we do look at like Botox or, or something else as a vocal cord paralysis. Well, that stinks because that song is really good. Mm-hmm. According, a lot of other good songs too. Well, yeah. they still got Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks. So, but, but no, like accordingly, right vocal cord paralysis following open heart procedure is considered the exception rather than the rule. However, more careful consideration of the surgical procedures and the anatomy of the recurrent laryngeal nerves demonstrates why right cord vocal paralysis may occur after open heart operations. Interesting. But they and say it, it could be a brief duration. Right. So. so it can recover on its mm-hmm. own? Uh, right laryngeal nerve, then the disruptive trauma such as ligation, electrical ligation, or the cutting of the nerve fibers. The left recurrent laryngeal nerve with its longer intrathoracic course is more susceptible to trauma. The right vocal cord paralysis and open heart probably occurs because of the combination of the two mechanisms that produce greater traction and stress upon the right recurrent laryngeal nerve. Well, I learned something new. Thanks, Matt. So there you go. Open heart surgery can relate to vocal cord, right vocal cord paralysis. I do remember reading something about that. That's why I was interested in this story. I never even thought about the intubation part until you said something, Michelle. 
I think that's Michael, what I've immediately thought of is when when you have a sore throat post surgery. Mm. But I didn't even I should be thinking of the cranial nerves too, so thanks for that. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a nervous. No, <laughs> nothing. All right. <laughs> that was good. Are you like I I don't even know. Are you working with vocal folds? Or are you working with vocal cord damage? Head over to our website, podcast.speechscience.org. Send us an email, speechscience2018 at gmail.com, or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. On the other side of the break, a man with autism behaving violently ended up in the ER, and officers responded. We'll have that story. And also, what damage is done to special education when teachers go on strike? We'll let you know about that and more. You're listening to Speech Science. This podcast is brought to you by Pearson, the company behind the self, GFTA, and the brand new PPVT5 and EVT3. These new easy-to-use vocabulary assessments are brief and reliable for two years, six months old, to those 90 and beyond. Learn more about these new tests at pearsonclinical.com slash exceptional. That's pearsonclinical.com slash E-P-T-I-O-N-A-L. Welcome back to Speech Science Episode 65. I'm Matt Hot, joined by Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? And my former lab partner in the neuro neurology, crani- messing around with brains, Michelle Wintering, who didn't know her cranial nerves. Hi, Matt. <laughs> That's why I was so disappointed. We literally shared a lab table together. and Oh, yeah, we studied. But, hey, that's (laughs) the great part of reference books is that if I don't remember it because I haven't used it in a long time, we can look it up. That is true. That is the hard part. I I have, like, I have a lot of knowledge, but then I, like, Google it and go, oh, yeah, I kind of already knew that. Yeah, but it's a refresher, and that's a good thing to go back and, and look through your notes or look through your books or read something new. And the only reason I remembered we were lab partners is because I was explaining to Michael off air why I took neurology twice. <laughs> well, it's a tough one. Because you had Michelle as a partner. Because I had Michelle as a partner. <laughs> hey, you could blame the other people too in our group. But... <laughs> no, 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 no. I uh, I took it as an undergrad at Kent and then I had to take it as a grad student at, at OU. I didn't oh, fail it. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Why are you making it sound like you had to take it twice in grad school? <laughs> Hey, don't ever let the facts get in the way of a good story. Clearly. Here are some facts and a good story. A man with autism behaving violently uh, in Chicago ended up in the ER and officers were called in to subdue the man. And instead of tying him to the chair or tying him to the table or restraining him, they sang and danced with him. I love this story. I don't know why. But it's just like our kids with autism turn into adults with autism. And my biggest fear working in a high school is this scenario exactly. Well, I can tell you why you like it so much. It's it's someone from a completely different field, completely different career that is showing understanding and comprehension of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I, I guarantee you in some way, shape or form, one of these police officers has some sort of family connection, personal connection to autism, and knows it beyond the general layman's knowledge. 
And you said it. You said it right there. His name, Sergeant Keith Miller, was uh, on duty, and his son, who is fourteen, um, has autism. And That's awesome. He there actually helps train other officers um, in ways to, you know, de-escalate and handle people with different disabilities. So there you go. Michelle just proved I did not even read the article. And I knew, <laughs> and I knew a point about the police officer's life. There you go. I mean, I, I, I have this fear, and I talk to parents about this fear, that when, when, we, when I work with students at the high school level, you know, for my kids that are a little bit on the higher functioning side, we talk about the unwritten social rules. And actually, we went over it today about unwritten social rules and how you may think that you're, you know, doing one thing, but someone can interpret it as something else and how it can end you up in big trouble. But, you know, some of the other teachers teach our kids like to get up and walk away when they're angry, you know, especially kids with autism. So they don't flip the desk or, or yell at somebody. But if you do that with an officer, that's my big concern. So I love the story that the safety patrolmen were able to, uh, to coax him back down. Mm -hmm. And they talked about his, uh, the patient's older parents who have seen this go completely the opposite way with him mm -hmm. in an ER in a hospital before. So he, the, the patient, Walker Hughes was his name, who has autism, the adult with autism, he said, or they explained that he has, he has an automatic response to the hospital because of those negative experiences before, mm -hmm. too. So they were able to even overcome that. and help him stay calm it's very impressive work very impressive work on their end so this is definitely one of those feel-good stories just showing and and this this trickles down from speech just goes to show you you know the work we do the knowledge is spreading people out there are recognizing what people are capable of what the special needs community is truly capable of and how to interact and appreciate them it reminds me of um, Dr. McCarthy, who I worked in his research lab. Matt knows him. He was, he's been interviewed on our, our podcast before as well. Does a lot of work with AAC. But um, some of his research when I was there in grad school was on narratives of individuals with disabilities and sharing artwork and poetry and writing about people with disabilities. Because if we can't, you know, like you said, Mike, if someone has an experience with someone with a disability, like this officer who has a son with autism, their whole perspective is different. But how do we give people that experience if they don't necessarily have an opportunity to meet someone with autism? Bingo. And so um, Dr. McCarthy, some of his research touched on, can we give them artwork? Can we give them an experience in some other way if they can't have the best experience, which is in person with that person? Like have a relationship, you know, how else can we get some of the same outcomes for them to have a different perspective and treat these people in a more positive way. And so they, there was some research showing that, you know, having them read stories written by individuals with disabilities was able to change some of those perceptions. I love it. Yep. Tell us your thoughts. Head over to our website, podcast.speechscience.org and email us speechscience2018 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail, 614-681-1798. Our voicemail is lonely. I got the email from Google that said, if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. So I had to call myself from Google's voicemail to make sure that we kept our phone number, which we're keeping for you, the listener. 
or you can also hashtag speech science and that shows up on our website as well does right, this so, show that most people don't want to use the phone to call us anymore? Surprisingly, speech therapists like to interact with us on Facebook, which you can find it as well there. Um, so this is going to be kind of controversial, and I don't know how I feel about it, but we're going to go dive in anyway, because why not? Um, this is out of the Denver Post, and it's an opinion article um, talking about the recent Denver public school um, teacher strike. And there's a lawsuit against Denver Public Schools uh, saying that it will harm special needs students because of the strike. And I often wonder about this, myself as an SLP, being in the schools, that if the teachers go on strike, what is my legal responsibility as a license holder, as an SLP, which is a medical license or like a medical field license? to those students versus keeping quote solidarity with the picket line. I think code of ethics would say plan for carrier over of care, right? Like whether that's at home assignments or uh, a, a study group or people, something they can do for carryover during that time. Exactly. Yeah. You always have the freedom of speech, the, the, the right to protest. Uh, but at, like you said, you are that medical w person with the license who is federally mandated to to approach these goals on the IEP and work on these and follow the frequency uh, of service. But in terms of of that, you're also an employee of the school. And if the teachers are striking and you believe in the same things that the teachers are striking for, you have the right to do that as well. And I, I know SLPs were involved in the strikes out in LA and that mm -hmm. strike was very, very successful. So I applaud everyone that showed some strength out there. Uh, but I'm, I'm all about teachers and SLPs and school staff getting more pay and getting more resources. So if there's any, uh, if there's any opportunity to, to express that, whether it be a strike or any other way, I'm all about it. And don't, I'm not saying I'm against teachers or SLPs getting paid more. I'm all for it. But I often wonder, and it mentions in here, that because of the strike, DPS likely will replace essential employees with substitute teachers with inadequate training. Substitute teachers will not be capable of addressing the federally required needs of special education students based off of the IEP. Uh, DPS may be forced to merge classes or relocate, relocate students because of the strike, which may have an impact on the blind students because of the building change. Um, let's see. And I just think of personally, like, Okay, we have a kid that we teach, like, let's say you have a kid that's on puree or honey thick. If our job is to make sure that, you know, the staff is prepared for that and we don't know who the sub is, are we held at all ethically responsible for that? That's a very right. good question. It is a good question. And, and the, unfortunately, any situation, whether it's a strike, whether it's or you're snow days, whether it's sick days, yeah. They're, the most vulnerable kids are the ones who are going to be most impacted. I'm shaking my head. I know we're on audio me or uh, meme audio media, but these are questions I think because I, I worked at a school district a couple years ago that was like on the verge of striking, and I had to call my supervisor and say, "If I do this, am I like breaking any ethical laws?" And my supervisor well, said. I'm not sure. And I was like, well, that's, 
That's reassuring. That's that's wonderful. Well, I've I've called it before. I I think this is a question there you can call Asha and ask them specific oh, questions you? about this. Mhm. I've called um due to work I was a, a job that I left in El Paso that um I made some phone calls and spoke to Asha about uh, a representative at Asha oh. about what steps I should take in that situation. It was we're a very short term. We're going to have Craig Coleman on in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to ask him this question particularly. Yeah. And if he doesn't know, I'm sure he'll direct you to that that helpline. If he doesn't know, he doesn't get elected. That is the power of speech science. <laughs> yes, that that Asha hotline is a really fantastic resource. the The phone number to it is is on the back of all your Asha membership cards. Uh, I've called it before and asked you know questions that are probably pretty obvious. And other questions that were more complicated that they needed to either call me back or do some research themselves into it. But that's a fantastic resource for all SLPs just to make sure you're always doing the right thing. And I remember I had questions about uh, CFI supervision and different things like that. So any anytime you can learn, give them a call and, and, and find out really what you should do and have someone tell you the difference between right and wrong. That's another great resource we need to take advantage of. 1-800-498-2071. 1-800-498-2071. That is the ASHA Action Hotline. And Michael, I just hope that there is somebody working the hotline that just sees your name come across and just sighs. <sighs> He's calling again. And they're like, what do you want, Mike? <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, you should be working the hotline. Oh, it would the be the Matt. It would be the ASHA Action Matt hot line i like that i will say though they were they were very helpful it was a job i wasn't even in for a month and i had to find make sure i was covering my patients and myself to depart professionally i don't i don't don't think they even things going on there i don't think they even ask for your name or your action number you just give give them a call and oh they know michael they know when it's you okay and they have caller id they just they just know you. They're just like, that's Michael from Speech. Why are you calling again, Mike? <laughs> I got a lot of questions. I like to learn. <laughs> Always um, learning. Good work, I, Michael. Thank you. No, thank I, think you. It's a, it's, I think it's a valid point or a question of like, what are the responsibilities? And maybe that is an ASHA question. Um, would you guys strike? Depending would, on the circumstances. Depending, yeah. on the circumstances. depending on the circumstances, I would definitely stand in solidarity with the teachers that I work with. That's fair. Yes. I don't know, man. I'm part of me feels like I'm just so like I I just try to get in and out so often at work. Like just go in and do my job that like I don't even I probably would, but then like part of me feels like I would just be like, all right. Y'all didn't support me when I asked for other things on the on the union contract. So, peace out. I don't know if I would be able to stand out there with, with the signs and the and doing those chants and those songs that rhyme. I don't know if I'd be able to do that part. That's that's too much. My last time interacting with a with a union rep, and this is just me. They quote said, "We got rid of all the speech therapy requests because there weren't enough of you to make it matter." Wow. Oh. So, you know, if they came to me and said, hey, we're striking tomorrow, I'd be like, ah, there's not enough of me to matter. I'll 
still coming to work. I'll you all have fun out there in the ten degrees of of weather. There wasn't a union where I worked, so yes. I haven't experienced it. See, that's the only thing is like everywhere I've worked with a union, the speech therapy requests are the first ones to get cut because they're like, in my one district, there were four of us. And they said, well, that was an, we were told, quote, your stuff was easily negotiated away because it only impacted four of you. And in my most recent request to the union that was written by 14 or 15 SLPs, they said, quote, there's not enough SLPs for this to make it into the initial round of negotiations. Does it matter how many students it impacts? Because I know there's only four SLPs, but that's a lot of a lot of students on a caseload. Right. So you know what? If there was an SLP on the union negotiation board, maybe we would have had a lesson here a little bit. I don't know. Hey, maybe we need to push for that. So yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm just like, uh. There's not enough of me to care because they told me there was not enough to be done. There's plenty of Matt to go around. I'm an Asha. I'm an Osla fellow. That's right. Listen to me. I've won a golden apple. I've now an Osla fellow. Whatever. I love it. There we uh, go. The golden apple website. that was not golden, by the way. I'm yeah, still it was bothered crystal. by that. It was that. like glass. It wasn't even gold. I'm still bothered that it wasn't even painted in a gold paint. That is very I saw annoying. Some, I saw some of my coworkers had had the original gold apples and they were like painted gold. So I actually am kind of glad that this one is like a clear one with like gold etching in it. Oh, there is gold on it. Yeah, there's gold etching. It makes it look nice versus some of the other ones that were a little gaudy. They just like, gold spray painted a, <laughs> a plastic apple. Nice. <laughs> Nailed to a board. Here you go. Hey, budgets are tight, guys. <laughs> That's right. Head to our website, podcast.speechscience.org. <laughs> Email us, speechscience2018 at gmail.com, or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Before we go, we've only got nine minutes. Michelle wanted us to talk about this story where a whole town learned to sign sign language for a baby. It is actually really cool. I'll give you that, Michelle. Yeah, not, not quite a town, but a neighborhood. Whatever. It's, An entire city. <laughs> that I mean, that would be of incredible. Eight. City of eight. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a great story because it's the perfect example of uh, it takes a village, right? Right. And it does because, and especially for a child with any sort of other challenge in life that they're going to have to face. And if that is being deaf and their language, their first language is ASL, these this, these neighbors took it on themselves. The parents didn't do it. The neighbors just set up a class on their own, and there's 20-some of them in a classroom learning American Sign Language, which was being taught, if you looked at the article, by a hard-of-hearing speech-language mm-hmm. pathologist. So shout so, out to them. There you nice. go. I was trying to find her name. I couldn't figure, figure out where it was. It is... Oh, I, I'm afraid... Oh, it's a guy. There you go. It's Matt Hot. No, no, no. no. It's, uh, you, how would you how would you pronounce this first name? R H Y S. Reese McGovern. Reese, Reese McGovern. McGovern. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, shout out to Reese McGovern. Yeah, so that's awesome. He, I love that. I like it. I like All right. it a lot. Michael, you've got a minute and a half. What's coming up next week for you? Uh, well, I'm gonna have a lot of makeup sessions because of this terrible weather. Um, that's pretty much it. Just really packing in the packing in the sessions. 
uh, still wrapping up the research, doing some final testings. Had, had a great uh, collaboration call with uh, Dr. Meredith Harold the other day, who was a, an amazing, amazing help. Uh, so definitely check, definitely check out her stuff uh, on The Informed SLP. You can find it on Facebook at The Informed SLP. She's amazing. She does some amazing work for the field and helping to make research readily available and pushing and advocating for research. Michelle, you got 90 seconds. What is going on with you in the next week? Well, uh, we're having visitors again last weekend and this weekend. We've got all these family coming in to check out our new place in Kentucky and visit since we didn't get to see them over the holidays. So, um, yeah, Michael and I have never yeah. received an, an invitation. Just saying. Oh, I have told you to come down to the Bourbon Trail with me. Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest room and it is ready and waiting. <laughs> I'm going to go get some your, Buffalo your, Trace. Your kids will love the playground that is a block away from our house. <laughs> sure, whatever. Kids will love a playground, a bourbon trail. That's, that's where you had me. <laughs> that's right. Anyways, yeah. So we're having visitors and, um, you know, waiting on the licensure stuff because what happens with that is I know a lot of states, they meet once a month and I've got to wait till they process through my, my license application so I can be official in Kentucky. Good luck with that. Thank you. Uh, for me, I got nothing else coming up this week. I try to think. I'm down to my last 25 or 28 ETRs, and I've only got 37 IEPs left between now and summer break. What up? It's the final countdown, down from 120 that I started off with. That does make 37 sound a lot better. <laughs> right, it does. Very impressive. Very impressive. Oh, let's send this puppy home. Coming up in a couple weeks, we got Craig Coleman coming up. Uh, we've got the trilingual SLP interview coming up. And then maybe also, if you're running for an ASHA position or know somebody that is, we'd love to talk to them on air as well because ASHA elections start uh, next month in March. Our intro music today is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under attribution and share alike license. Our bump music is The Spellbreaker by Tritachion. It's licensed under an attribution license. Our closing music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Going to play us out, though, is Go Your Own Way, just 10 seconds more of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, in the words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. I had to turn that music down just a little bit so I can talk over it like a terrible DJ. Uh, be a willow because under pressure, the oak will crack, the willow will bend, and return to form. For Michael McLeod and Michelle Wintering, I'm Matt Hot. Until next week, peace, love, and see ya. I'm going to go listen to some more Fleetwood Mac now. Right? <laughs> this has been an Exceptional Podcast Network production. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.